Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It is 25 March. It's Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And let's see here. I've got a bandana on from the guy that painted that beautiful painting that says Yeshua in the back room. When he sent it, he also sent a, a bandana from Japan. And uh, it's got the painting of that, that famous depiction of the wave that everybody has seen in the world. And I want to thank Adrian for that. And um, I have a friend that attends online. She sent me like 80 bandanas. She sends one for every occasion that you can think of. Uh, she needs a, uh, a bit of help. She had a uh, problem with a nursing, uh, you know, an aftercare a hospital thing. You go into these facilities where you get better. And she needs a lawyer in Tennessee. And if anybody that is out there is listening and knows a decent lawyer that can handle something like that, uh, she asked me to make a petition for it. This is something that uh, she had some very bad treatment, and I'm aware of it. But other than that, if you know of something like that, please uh, I don't know. Um, she's in Chattanooga, but I don't think she really cares where in Tennessee we go to. So uh, as long as there's somebody that can help her out with that. And then um, our first category, as always, is Israel. And before we get into that, I'd like to uh, mention that we are in Leviticus 26. As I mentioned last week, we did the blessings, and we are now in the curses this week. Uh, there's a lot of prophecy involved in those curses, which I'm not going to touch on. I will say here in the Prophecy Update that if you understand Leviticus 26 and you combine that with Ezekiel chapter 4, you can go back and watch Prophecy Update number 88 and you will uh, uh, get an explanation of this. But if you take those two, it will pinpoint to the day Israel becoming a nation again in 1948, 14 May of 1948. And it will also pinpoint to the day, 7 June 1967, when Jerusalem was recaptured. So this is part of Leviticus 26. These curses are not just there saying this is what's going to happen to you, but it's, it's a, a prophecy of what is to come as far as their reestablishment as well. So it's a rather interesting. Uh, the sermon itself is, uh, you know, it's kind of scary what's coming upon Israel. I will assure you that it is also coming upon the world because uh, we're all going to be judged by the same holy God. So it's, uh, I, I would hope that you would watch that sermon. And as a wonderful note, as a support for Israel, our Congress passed the budget, regardless of what else you think about the budget, one thing that was in there was very good, and it was that they passed the Taylor Force Act, which is we are no longer by law allowed to send any money to the Palestinians that they can use to pay terrorists who kill Jews. Okay, that is if even if you don't agree with everything that happened in that um, uh, budget, and I understand a lot of people are upset at our president for signing it. He signed it. He got that out of the way. And so I'm going to support him on this. He said he is not going to sign a budget like that again. And if he makes it with a Republican Congress in the days ahead, meaning this election cycle, then we will have a budget that will work out. But despite that, we'll go on. Um, it's good news about the Taylor Force Act. From the Times of Israel, Ra'anana, which is a city in Jerusalem, gets Israel's first openly gay mayor. Now, you know, I support Israel. I'm all behind them because God has selected them as his people. He has reinstated them in the land in order to bring Christ back. And I've said this a million times. They are not right with the Lord. 
That anybody that thinks that they are is deceived, they're fooled, they have drank too much grape juice, whatever you want to say. Israel's not right with the Lord. It says specifically two, maybe three times in Ezekiel 38, yet not for your sake, O house of Israel, am I going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name. Okay, you have blasphemed my name among the nations wherever you went. And that continues on today. They are tolerating this in a land which should not tolerate it, just as we are doing it in America. And uh, so I want you to know, because the reason I support Israel is because God has chosen them as his people and has planted them back there for his sovereign reasons, not because they're right with the Lord. Okay. Etan Ginsburg will serve as mayor until October's elections. <coughs> member of Knesset. This is one of the Knesset parliamentary members. Yael German congratulated him. What a great joy for Etan Ginsburg's election to become mayor of Ra'anana. With all my heart, I wish that he will remain in the position for many years, be successful, and here we go, remove another brick from the wall of homophobia. It's not that there's a wall of homophobia. It's that there is right morals and there is wrong morals. And this is what the Bible proclaims. And they are supposed to be the people of the Lord. They're supposed to be upholding his values. They were exiled once for not doing it. They were exiled a second time for reasons which we'll talk about today. And they are still not right with the Lord. He has returned them not because they're right with the Lord, not because they petitioned him to go back to Israel, but because he is preparing the nations of the world to come together in the great battle, the great tribulation period before the return of Jesus Christ to save his people. Okay, from JTA, Orthodox Jews in Florida make 11th hour push to stop all year daylight saving time bill. Okay, the Congress is up there and the legislature is uh, going for this bill. The governor's got to sign it. Then from there, it goes up to Congress itself and they've got to approve it. I'm talking about the U.S. Congress. Florida's Orthodox Jewish community is working to convince the government not to sign a bill that would keep the state in DST all year. Having sunrise and sunset arrive an hour later is a problem for the Orthodox residents and visitors. Certain morning prayers cannot take place until after sunrise. Under daylight saving time in the winter, that would make the earliest time for the prayer at 8.05 a.m., likely too late for people who have to go to work or drive a school carpool. In addition, ending Shabbat an hour later would hurt Jewish business owners who open up on Saturday night. Okay, well, to me, I don't care. I don't care one iota. There are Jews that live up in Alaska, and the sun rises for two minutes on some days of the year. It doesn't, listen, you participate in the land that you live in. Wherever you are, they will adapt. I, I think that is a red herring, and I do not think we should do it for any religious group, even if it was Christians. I would not recommend that. This is something that the people of Florida want. This is what the legislatures have decided on. I would not make that an issue at all. Okay? You move, you know, up five states north of us, and the hours are even worse than they are here. So it, it, it's an irrelevant argument. From Arts Shiva, American popular support for Israel hits a record high. American support for Israel has reached an all-time high, driven in large part by growing support among Republicans as the partisan divide continues to grow. According to a Gallup report based on a survey conducted from February 1st to February 10th, American support for the Jewish state rose to the highest level ever recorded since Gallup began tracking the issue in 1988. So that's really good news, and that's 
a clear indication that our current administration is having an effect towards people understanding the importance of Israel because our previous administration did everything in the world to try to harm them. I don't know if I said this at the beginning of the update or not. If I uh, did, I apologize for repeating myself. If I didn't, if I sound bad, I have allergies that are coming all over the place and I'm kind of miserable. So please forgive me if I'm a little bit off today. Um, Let's see here from the tablet. Facebook decides on Israel's permanent borders. Did you know that? They, no, even the UN hasn't done that, but Facebook has. Earlier this year, an Israeli site wanted to advertise its offerings to readers in Jerusalem. The site contacted the social media behemoth and paid for a campaign. When the time came to drill down the ads' geo-targeting, however, something strange happened. Facebook wouldn't let them select any of Jerusalem neighborhoods east of the Green Line. Whoever is living in Jerusalem's Arnona neighborhood has definitely seen our ads, but anyone living in Har Homa right next door has never come across them. Puzzled by Facebook's decision to define Israel's borders, Israel's Deputy Foreign Minister Sipi Hatovali wrote them, demanding an explanation. It's inconceivable that Facebook takes neighborhoods in eastern Jerusalem off the map. We cannot consent to a situation in which a commercial corporation determines the borders of the state of Israel. Facebook was quick to reply, apologize, and correct the mistake. Still, Facebook refuses to place ads targeting Israelis living in Judea, Samaria, and the Golan Heights. So they are completely biased against Israel. Surprisingly enough, their founder is a Jew. But there you go. From Jerusalem Post. Macedonia adopts a definition of anti-Semitism that mentions Israel hatred. I think this is a good call. The Balkan nation of Macedonia joined the United Kingdom, Romania, and Bulgaria in adopting a definition of anti-Semitism that includes the demonization of Israel. Next month, the country will see the opening of the Holocaust Memorial Center for the Jews of Macedonia. Designed by Berenbaum Jacobs Associates, the new museum tells the story of the Macedonian Jewry beginning two millennia ago to the growth of the community as a haven from the Spanish Inquisition all the way to post-Holocaust Jewish Macedonia. Nearly all of Macedonia's more than 10,000 Jews were murdered in Treblinka a former German death camp in occupied Poland, and their deportation by Bulgarian forces that had ruled the country with the approval of Nazi Germany. Okay, they have, What they're doing is they're lumping Israel in with all Jews. In other words, they're saying this is a Jewish state, which I agree with. It is a Jewish state, and it should be considered as such. Having said that, I will talk about the Holocaust, etc., in our sermon today. So, uh, not in any great detail, but you will understand my opinion on it and what the Bible actually says about those issues, okay? From the Times of Israel, something that Bob mentioned as he opened us today, Air India makes history by flying to Israel via Saudi airspace. Before this, nobody could fly from a, uh, over a Muslim nation and into Israel or from a Muslim nation into Israel. You had to make all these trips somewhere else around the world to get to Israel. I know this. I had a... Uh, uh, commander up the line that came out to visit us in Malaysia. His name was Cohen. He still got to go to Saudi Arabia despite that because he's a military service. So Jews do serve in Muslim nations as part of the SOFA agreements. But um, he did go to Saudi Arabia 
and then he was scheduled to go directly to Israel, which is, you know, like a three-second hop over the border, and he had to go here, 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 and here, and get back there. So that is over now, and we're going to see that changing more in the days ahead. It is a stand by Saudi Arabia and coming soon to other Arab nations near you against Iran. That is the reason they're doing this. And it's, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the Iranians are not Arabs. They are from the sons of Japheth, okay? The Arabs in particular, the Jewish people, but the Arabs in general, most of them are sons of Shem, okay? There are Arabs that are descended from, what do you call it, Canaan, but most of them are sons of Shem, but the Persians are not. They're sons of Japheth. So there's already division there. Then you've got the different religious beliefs and et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and on, and that's why we have all these complications in the world. But uh, the Arabs are making a stand now by allowing this. This is a really important thing. From uh, Christian News Today, I would like to take a moment. And I would like to thank every single person who responded last week when I asked them to send in a comment. I could not answer all the emails. I tried to once in a while stop and answer one, but there were so many I couldn't. And I've been sick all week with this, this um, uh, allergies. And so, as my nose can show you right now, anyway, um, uh, I, I got just lots and lots and lots of emails. And I'm grateful to every single person that sent one in. We were supposed to have a meeting this past Thursday. We did. They talked about it for about two seconds, and then they went into a community type of talk about how to make palm trees better and stuff like that. But they are scheduled for a 24 April meeting, and they cannot renege on this because she said that in front of everybody, and there were probably 50 to 100 people in there. Um, She said it in front of them. They cannot do anything sneaky about this until then. I don't know what the outcome will be. I don't know how it will affect this church. I can say, well, I'm not going to say it. I was going to make a comment about one of the people in there, but I'll just keep my comment to myself. But everybody here is smiling because they know what I'm talking about. Um, There's a lot of really underhanded people in this world. One uh, one comment that he made, I couldn't sleep for a couple days this week. I was just tossing and turning at how he openly lied about something. It's just disgusting. So thank you very much for that. I can't thank you enough. Uh, From Mail Online. Church forced to remove the word Jesus from its Easter advertising as the word is considered to be offensive to non-Christians. This was in a mall in Australia. It did get resolved, but I want to read it to you anyway, just so you know what's going on in the world. Elim Church on the New South Wales Central Coast paid for digital signs ahead of a festival. Pastor Duffy claimed Lendlease requested to withdraw the word Jesus from the sign as it may have offended shoppers and non-Christians. Well, who cares? I mean, the whole world is, you can't be offended anymore, except if you're a Christian. The greatness of his power, Jesus is alive, the sign read. Pastor Duffy said Lendlease has since changed their mind and allowed the word Jesus to be included in the sign. Well, what kind of a resurrection sign is it if you don't mention the person that was resurrected? It's just ridiculous. Okay, from the Christian Post, this is one long article to finish us up in this category. I selected this because I really like the guy. I really like the guy that appointed the guy, and I like what he has said in the past, the guy that I like first time, not the appointee who I also like. Okay, Trump's nominee for Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. Five quotes on Jesus, the rapture, war on radical Islam, CIA Director Mike Pompeo, Nominated by President Trump to succeed, fired Secretary of State Rex Tillerson is making ways for a number of speeches he's made in the past, exalting Jesus Christ and warning about radical Islam. He has spoken at various church conferences and events throughout his career, calling Jesus the only solution for the world. 
commenting on the rapture and urging the U.S. to recognize the obstacles it faces in the war against radical Islam. One, Jesus is the only solution. In 2014, Pompeo explained that a very serious threat to America comes from people who deeply believe that Islam is the way. He clarified that it's only a minority within the Muslim community who are convinced they have a religious mandate to wipe out followers of Jesus Christ, but said that should still be taken into consideration in U.S. foreign policy. So he's making a stand on this issue. Now, it was Hal Lindsey years ago that said there's uh, 2 billion Muslims in the world if only 1% of them was adamant on destroying all Christians, which it's much more than 1%. You're talking about 200 million people, right? Or whatever. The numbers are huge. And as you go up the line with percentages, you've got a bunch of people against you. Anyway, whatever the number was, don't correct me on my math. I just did that off the top of my head. But you get the point. They will continue to press against us until we make sure that we pray and stand and fight and make sure that we know that Jesus Christ is our Savior, is truly the only solution for our world. He said that openly in 2014. Of course, he's getting blowback from it. Two, struggle until the rapture. In June 2015, he declared that worshiping God and celebrating America is not only our right, it is our duty. He quoted Kansas preacher Joe Wright, who has delivered speeches before the Kansas state legislature and once said America had worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We'd endorsed perversion and called it an alternative lifestyle. Pompeo listed out several problems America is facing, including government efforts to rip faith from our schools, as well as the battle against evil that is all around us. We're seeing that right in Sarasota County right now, and we will continue to stand against this until they have made their decision. Hopefully, it will be the right one. He goes on, we will continue to fight these battles. It is a never-ending struggle until the rapture. So he's a rapture believer, even though he attends a Presbyterian church. I'd like to pat that Presbyterian on his back, or maybe heard it from somebody and, you know, just has believed it. Three, Christians in the crosshairs. Pompeo has criticized former President Obama on a number of occasions for not doing enough to fight Islamic terrorism around the world, especially in light of the ongoing genocide against Christians. Writing for the National Review in an op-ed in September 2014, Pompeo said that Obama's criticism at the time of the Islamic State terror group, calling it on the wrong side of history, is far from enough. We must instead place this threat with its massive persecution of Christians and murderous expansionist march against the West on par with those who have challenged the world order before, whether in the name of communism, fascism, or now Islamism. This is a guy that's been appointed to be our Secretary of State. Good job, Trump, declared Pompeo a former Army Cavalry officer. Four, Muslim leaders potentially complicit following the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013, when three people were killed and over 250 were injured, Pompeo spoke on the House floor and accused Muslim leaders of being potentially complicit in terror attacks by failing to speak out. Good job. Yeah. Five, Iran, terrorism, and Islam. In December 2015, Pompeo talked about the various conflicts between the Christian West and the Islamic East over the centuries. He warned that the nuclear deal between Iran and the United States, along with other Western nations, will not stop the Iranian regime from obtaining dangerous weapons, as intended. Pompeo further added that the challenges in fighting terrorism lie not only in politics, but inside the faith 
of Islam as well. He's a man that speaks directly. He speaks what's on his mind. And I am very happy about this election. He will probably not get um, uh, whatever, nominate or not nominate, what's it, confirmed. But I don't think it matters. I think he can work the job even without being confirmed. He just doesn't get the benefits from it or something, whatever. Um, I could be completely wrong in that, but Islam today, WND. Army of Islam would be world's biggest military. Okay, this is, I last week mentioned that the largest military on the face of the planet is the American household. We're the largest standing army in the world. And this uh, commentary comes and says that if they, as Islam, uh, Muslims join together, they would be that largest army. Well, it's not going to happen because you got too many factions of Islam, but a great Islamic army is going to come against Israel. Okay. When Turkey's semi-official newspaper, Yeni Safak, called for urgent action in forming a 57-nation army of Islam to besiege and attack Israel, a suggestion undoubtedly approved with at least a wink and a nod by President Erdogan that would signal the possible intent to create the largest military force on the planet, one nearly as large as the total population of the Jewish state. The report came just ahead of the summit of the Organization of the Islamic Cooperation and was published under the headline, What if an army of Islam was formed against Israel? It was translated by memory, but it wasn't a rhetorical question. It was actually a suggestion to combine the military forces of all Islamic countries to overwhelm the Israeli army in manpower, budget, and equipment, even boasting with statistics. It also advocates establishing joint bases for the army's ground, air, and naval forces that will arrive from all over the Muslim world to besiege Israel, while noting that Pakistan as the only nuclear country has a special status among the OIC countries. An interactive map provides info on military forces stationed in various locations and the role they can play in the potential joint Muslim attack on Israel. Much of the info on the article was provided by Turkey's Sadat Institute of Defense and Consulting Company, which provides consultancy on defense and warfare both conventional and unconventional, and on military organization, training, and gear. The company promotes pan-Islamic military cooperations. According to its mission statement, it seeks to establish defense collaboration and defense industry cooperation among Islamic countries to help the Islamic world take its rightful place among the superpowers by providing strategic consultancy and training services to the militaries and homeland security forces of Islamic countries. In the report, Israel's described as the outpost of the new crusade and a dagger in the heart of Islam and the eyes, ears, and fist of the Christian world. So you can see they've lumped Israel in with Christianity. They think that uh, they are controlling the Christians. I would say that's not the case, but we are lumped into them uh, with them anyway. But they're talking about doing this openly in Turkey. It could not be published without Erdogan as they said, winking and nodding at it. And so this is something that is on their minds. It's something that's going to continue to grow. But we do know that not all Muslim countries are going to join this. We know that when Gog Magog happens in Ezekiel 38, that these countries, Saudi Arabia and Egypt and other countries, will not be coming against them. But we know that uh, Sudan will. We know that Libya will. So it is going to take effect, and they are going to be saying, yeah, we need to do this. And they're going to have their thumbs up about it, and they're going to be pursuing this avenue. Mm -hmm. Scary times ahead. Infowars says child sex crimes roar by 30% in Sadiq Khan's London. Mm -hmm. The number of sexual offenses committed against children in Sadiq Khan's London has soared to 1,200 this past year. 
New figures show. The figures were released when the Metropolitan Police Corps co-hosted a conference to raise awareness of the problem with children's charity Bernardo's, which has launched a pilot scheme to help child victims of rape and sexual exploitation. So you can see that this is a society and a culture which is detrimental to proper morals. That's all there is to it, but there you go. Times of Israel. Belgium ends Saudi lease of country's largest mosque over radicalism concerns. Belgium's government has ended Saudi Arabia's lease on the Grand Mosque of Brussels over fears the house of worship was being used to promote radical agendas. The concession will be terminated immediately in order to put an end to foreign interference in the way Islam is taught in Belgium. They think it's going to make a change. It's not, but they will have a little more control over it. The mosque, Belgium's largest, was leased to the Saudis in 1969 for 99 years without charge as a part of a deal for cheaper oil. But with growing concern over Islamic extremism in the continent, and reports of possible radical teachings and segregationist attitudes in the institution, Belgian leaders have, in recent months, sought to end its foreign ties. The mosque will henceforth be administered locally. From now on, the mosque will have to establish a lasting relation with the Belgian authorities while respecting the laws and traditions of our country, which convey a tolerant vision of Islam. Yeah, they're, they're once again drinking the Kool-Aid. Justice Minister Kane Green said, Europe has seen increased security of mosques and their teachings following an uptick in attacks by Islamists in recent years. Houses of worship have been shuttered in France, the UK, and Germany, among others. And yet they still keep inviting them in, inviting them in. Mongolia today. Tree rings, this is from Science News. Interesting. Tree rings tell a tale of drought in Mongolia over the last 2,000 years. What do you think they're going to try to tie this into? And then, it, it, yeah, and it just shoots themselves in the foot with their own arguments. By studying the rings of semi-fossilized trees, researchers constructed a climate history for the semi-arid Asian nation spanning the last 2,060 years going back 1,000 years further than previous studies. It was suspected that a harsh drought from about 2000 to 2010 that killed tens of thousands of livestock was unprecedented in the region's history and primarily the result of human-caused climate change. But the tree ring data showed that the dry spell, while rare in its severity, was not outside the realm of natural climatic variability. You will always, always dismiss climate change when a proper study is done. Always, okay? The recent, or I should say global warming, they decided on that word. Climate change means nothing. I, I don't even like the term. The uh, recent dry spell, you know it was foggy this morning and it was a little bit cool? Well, guess what? It's warm and it's sunny out now. Climate change. <laughs> the recent dry spell was the severest in recorded history, but the rings showed that an even more severe drought took place around the year 800. So they have precedent. They cannot claim that what happened from 2000 to 2010 is anything man-made. They cannot claim it because they had a worse one before. It was long before, here's what they say, anthropogenic climate change began. So even in their own article, which disproves what they're saying, they still say that man-made, uh, man is the cause of their climate change. It's so stupid. It's just the most stupid, inane argument on the face of the planet. Daniel 12 technology today. 
Times of Israel. On a cloudless day, Israel breaks its solar power production record. Listen to this. At precisely 12.07 p.m. last Saturday, not yesterday, a Saturday ago, solar energy produced 13.4% of the total electricity being consumed nationwide. That's a pretty good record there, I got to tell you. It wastes a lot of space, it's cumbersome, birds die because of it. There's all kinds of problems with green energy, but it was a pretty cool landmark anyway, so I'll... I'll acknowledge it as something nifty. Aretz Shiva, Israeli tech takes on Judea and Samaria rock terror. An Israeli company is offering an innovative solution to protect motorists from rocks thrown by Arab terrorists. I like that right in their article. It is a 350 micron thick transparent sticker affixed to the windows that protects against the entry of glass. We've got stuff like this for hurricane shelters and stuff, but they've developed one for the extreme heat of Israel. It says, um, while the polycarbonate protected windows currently in use provide good protection against rocks, they very shortly lose transparency and at best are less aesthetic, at worst, a driving hazard. So they've developed something to take care of that problem. You can drive and be safe as you get stoned by uh, terrorists. From Jerusalem Post, 3D printer used in Israel for the first time in orthopedic surgery. What a blessing. 3D printing has been used to repair congenital malformations in the arm of a patient. The 13-year-old girl was successfully operated on using a patient-specific instrument especially a printed bone, giving her full function of the limb. She arrived at the hospital's hand surgery unit suffering from pain and a limitation in the movement of her right hand. The results of the CT scan showed distortions in two places in her right arm that caused severe pain and movement limitation. Another one was also detected in her left, said the head of the hand surgery unit who operated on her. Printing of an accessory to be added to the bone is in three stages. Imaging tests are fed into an advanced system for 3D analysis, allowing the viewing all angles of the object. Then the distortions are precisely located and the printed object is planned. It is then passed on to the company, which specializes in creating a customary accessory that is attached with magnets and placed on the defective limb. We performed four incisions at very precise angles, including the placement of three screws that entered perfectly without deviation from the joint or incision. This is very difficult to complete without printing. The surgery was successful. She reported a significant improvement in the pain level and the CT scan demonstrated bone fusion. She is expected to undergo a similar operation on her left arm and is expected to enjoy full activity. Praise God for this. I'm telling you, how wonderful. Revelation plagues today. Zero Hedge, Venezuela faces the return of forgotten diseases. This is going to be a little choppy because it was a long, boring article and I just took out some good parts of it. (laughs) Tuberculosis, diphtheria, leishmaniasis. There have been adults and children who died because of these things. The diseases themselves under normal conditions can be healed, but without the appropriate medications and proper nutrition, they become deadly. One of the worst endemic diseases that has been reported is leishmaniasis. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, but whatever. This is a parasite to which you would pay a lot of attention. With the lack of proper balanced feeding, a person's natural defenses get lower. I know that. It's happened to me all week long, and it is much easier for them to get sick. Another disease that had an incredible increase is tuberculosis. Imagine that. It is known that tuberculosis is linked to malnutrition. 
and it is becoming increasingly widespread in Venezuela. Another important and significant increase has been in the mosquito-transmitted diseases. With the main insecticides factories financially strangled thanks to socialism, uh, their production is scarce, and the well-known government mafia takes over whatever they can. Finding a can of insecticide is not easy. This is another item that should be stockpiled. It is not going to lose efficiency. And finally, salmonella. There are no cleaning products at affordable prices. You go into a store and there's nothing. You know, we buy and we don't think of it, right? This country is going down the tube so quickly. They don't have any proper cleaning products. And therefore, hygiene decreases significantly. And salmonella is a disease very closely linked to hygiene. Okay, bad stuff is happening there. From you, and, but this is just a picture, as I've said, of the entire world of the, the future. This is just a small snapshot. This guy, not the one that's there now, but the guy before him, cursed Israel. Okay, when you curse Israel, you are going to be cursed, and they are going down the tubes. They will continue down the tubes, and it is a picture of what is coming on the entire planet because of them coming against Israel. It's called the Tribulation Period. Yahoo! Venezuela begins power rationing as drought causes severe outages. Venezuela imposed electricity rationing in six western states. They have the highest rate of oil of any nation in this hemisphere in the world, right? And they can't even get it out of the ground. They can't get it productive because they're socialists. All right. Um, as the crisis hit countries, creaky power grids suffered from a drought that has reduced water levels in key reservoirs needed to run hydroelectric power generators. The four-hour formal outages began, but many residents scoffed at the announcement, Riley noting that they have been suffering far more extended blackouts during the last week. But... Because of the economic crisis, Venezuela has reduced electricity consumption to about 14,000 megawatts at peak hours. According to engineer and former electricity executive, some guy named Miguel Lara, two years ago, state-run Corpolec put the figure at 16,000 megawatts. So they're going down the tubes quickly. They're not fixing the infrastructure. The country is heading to disaster. Picture of the world to come. Bernie's going to get it right, though. Oh, yeah, Bernie uh, Sanders is going to go down there and he's going to fix it because he's a socialist, too. Morality. Did we have a broken promise this past week with Trump and the uh, budget? Uh, a lot of people have said so because he did fund planned murderhood, okay? But I would like to do what I did with the uh, promise about the uh, moving of the Jerusalem embassy. He didn't do it immediately and everybody freaked out. Well, he eventually did it. He's got four years to get these things done. He said he will never sign another budget like this. Planned murderhood is on the board behind him in the White House. It is one of the things to go. If he continues to have a Congress which is amenable to his agenda, he will not sign another one of their budgets without taking that out. I will bet that. I, that will be my bet. But he may lose control of the Congress, and that won't be a fulfilled promise. But he has fulfilled 76% of his campaign promises, more than any president ever in the history of our nation. So we can cut him a little bit of slack here. I'm not happy that Planned Murderhood is continuing to get their uh, funding, but we will watch and see what happens. From the New York Times, Australia considers emergency visas for, anybody know? Yes, South African white farmers, because they know it is coming. They've seen this happen several times in the past, and they're very worried about these people being butchered Wholesale, just completely wiping out the uh, the white people that are the farmers in the nation. It has happened. There is precedent, and it has been promised by the lips of the person that took over the country. He has said that he was going to do this years ago, but he has said he's going to do it. Okay, 
South Africa's foreign ministry has fired back against an Australian proposal to grant emergency visas to white South African farmers after a leading Australian politician said the group needed protection in a civilized country. White farmers deserve special protection. Peter Dutton, Australia's Home Affairs Minister, who oversees immigration, said amid a debate in South Africa over redistributing white owned land to black citizens. Now, I'd like to stop and I'd like to say that it is unfair to target anybody for special cases like white or black unless there is a valid reason. In this case, there is a valid reason. Threats have been spoken against them. They're killed weekly. As I said a week ago, they have the highest rate of deaths of any profession on this planet is the white South African farmer. Okay, and they have said that they are going to do this by the end of the year, take away their farms forcibly. In that case, I would say that it is right to do this. Not normally. It's never right to pick one group of people and say we're going to elevate you above another unless there is a specific problem with them that needs to be addressed. I think these people deserve special attention, and we're certainly applying that special attention now, said Mr. Dutton, who proposed offering white farmers expedited visas to resettle in (laughs) Australia on humanitarian grounds. We want people who come here, abide by our laws, integrate into our society, work hard, not lead a life on welfare. Mr. Dutton said after watching a documentary about the rise in the number of South African farm murders. South Africa's government characterized Mr. Dutton's remarks as regrettable and said white farmers were at no risk. That's not true. It's not true at all. There is no reason for any government anywhere in the world to suspect that any South African is in danger from their own democratically elected government. A spokesman for South Africa's foreign ministry said that threat simply does not exist. I have said this before. I will never put them on the prophecy update. But if you want to see what happens to these people, type in South African farm murders. Just type that into Google and look at the photos. They are many. They are revolting. And they are happening daily. Okay. Type it in. If you have a stomach to look at things that I, I, I could not put on this update. Just type it in and take a perverse look at it because this is what's coming. This is going to be on a, a national scale here shortly because that guy said it was going to come. Just because he says now, oh, we're not going to do it. He said it years ago, and this has been his agenda all along. Zero Hedge, UC Berkeley saying, I'm not racist, is racist. <laughs> yes, that's what they've claimed from NPR. So you can no longer say, I'm not racist. I have black friends. That's, that's a racist thing to say. Yep, NPR, Mississippi governor signs nation's toughest abortion ban into law. Good job. Too bad. Breitbart, Obama appointed Judge Blocks, Mississippi law restricting abortion. It only took a couple days and they just nullify, they do this continuously. You never see this on the other side, but the left is just a dirty bunch of folks. From CBS, this is in Sacramento, student planning abortion protest after school shooting walkout. Good job, student. I'd like to find that person's name out and congratulate them. Keep it up. we got all these lunatics up there in Washington, D.C. and all over America protesting guns right now. What was it somebody said earlier today? If uh, guns kill people, then let's just ship all the guns off to a foreign country and let them wage the war, right? It doesn't happen. People have to be the ones responsible for their actions. Anyway, our other news. Oh, you know what other news? John Bolton, right? Selected for, uh, what, National Security Advisor? Wow, was that a great choice. I mean, we're talking Pompeo and Bolton. 
the left is flipping out. They're literally flipping out over this. He is the right guy. He is pro-Israel. He's against Iran. All the things that you and I should should be thinking, he is thinking. He said he's going to go in, and he used a, a word I can't use on an update, but uh, he said we're going to clean out the mess from the people below him. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's going to get rid of all of the Obama-era appointees. Yeah. That has not happened. They've tried to work with these people. He's going to get rid of all of them. Good job, John Bolton. Good job, yeah. President Trump. Whoa. Okay, Zero Hedge. U.S. Navy medics prepare for combat by treating gunshot victims in, any guess? Chicago, thank you. Yes, our U.S. Navy goes to Chicago to train its people. The U.S. Navy is taking advantage of Chicago's sky-high murder rate by sending new medics to treat gunshot victims at Stroger Hospital on the city's west side as part of a pilot program which is currently in its third year. In 2017, 3,561 people were shot in Chicago, one every two hours and 27 minutes. Of the 679 homicides last year, 92.4% were from gunshots. In fact, one-third of the 2016 spike in U.S. homicides came from just five Chicago neighborhoods. The left doesn't want you to know that, but that brings our stats up with, like Honduras, when we should actually be the or the second safest nation on the planet. You get rid of the liberal states with all the gun crime. We are as safe as it gets. It's all just a lie out there. In fact, one-third of the 2016 spike in U.S. homicides came from those neighborhoods. The steady flow of shooting victims, which social justice warriors seem to have overlooked for some reason, has proven extremely useful in treating combat medics for the battlefield. The experience here can't be replicated elsewhere unless you have a major land invasion. The pilot program is set to be expanded under a DOD effort to prioritize civilian and military partnerships. Newly enlisted combat medics rotate into hospital shifts along with those who need a refresher while home from deployment. They got some aid that they just refresh everybody in Chicago along with new people, right? The hospital's 14-bed unit treats more than 6,000 trauma patients a year. 14 beds, 6,000 a year. With many of the victims suffering penetrating, life-threatening wounds similar to those found on the battlefield. The first time a corpsman got any trauma experience was when they deployed, and some would just freeze up, said Navy Surgeon Captain Paul Roach, who heads the program in the Great Lakes region. We don't want that to happen anymore. Corpsmen in the program learn skills such as how to scrub in before entering an operating theater, how to operate various machinery in the treatment of gunshot wounds, and how to assist doctors and surgeons with more advanced medical procedures during the trauma until its 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. shift is over. Corpsmen are not routinely exposed to trauma or critically injured patients during their first assignments, said DOD spokesman Major Carla Gleason. The realistic hands-on trauma training will allow them to hone their skills and increase their readiness. Good job. I mean, that's if you're going to take advantage of it, just go to a liberal paradise and you'll, you know, zero hedge. Bankrupt Baltimore. Somehow, finds money to fund lawyers for illegal immigrants. Yes. The city's population hit a 100-year low in 2017. They're just exiting like crazy. 6,000 left last year as residents are fleeing neighborhoods to escape the violent crime. The federal government stepped in last year at the request of the mayor to get the city under control. 
Intelligence agencies are circling above with light aircraft using optics and other spy tech to monitor residents. Meanwhile, a network of cameras on city streets use facial recognition to track citizens. Furthermore, Baltimore's homicide per capita is on par with Venezuela, a country that is suffering from an economic collapse. Combined with violent crime, the opioid crisis is adding fuel to the fire, signaling that the most violent days are just ahead. Everywhere you look, there are abandoned buildings and homes, and as you drive through some of the worst areas, you can actually see drug addicts just lying in the streets. Sounds like San Francisco. There are some sections of Baltimore that you simply do not go into once the sun goes down. And actually, it isn't a very good idea to go into those areas during the day either. In December, a series of water bill hikes. Now listen to this. Water bill hikes. Everybody drinks water, right? People that can't even afford to pay their own electricity. Water bill hikes. This is the brain pan of liberals here. An effort designed to raise money to repair the city's crumbling water infrastructure has left the poorest residents facing bills equal to 20% of their monthly income. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that they're living like this? This is what happens when you vote in liberals. I don't understand how, and the, the sad thing is these people are leaving California. They're leaving Chicago, they're leaving Baltimore, and they come to places like this that have been conservative bastions, and what do they do? They vote liberal. And so we're gonna be in the same position. You wonder how the tribulation period's gonna come up on the world? Just look at liberalism. That's all you need to do, it's absolutely crazy. All right, so 20% of their monthly income. So having said all that, it may surprise residents of this city that their mayor, amid desperate budget problems, somehow found $200,000 to pay for lawyers to help illegal immigrants in their recently completed 2018 budget negotiations. Baltimore wound up having to make cuts so deep that they eliminated funding for things like new street lights and trash cans. And all of that was happening at the same time as they struggled to fund law enforcement efforts aimed at tamping down their historic murder rate. But somehow they came up with $200,000 to pay for attorneys for illegal aliens fighting the deportation orders. There's a lesson here about priorities somewhere but I get the feeling that the city council wouldn't listen even if someone stopped by to brief them on it. Mm. Can you imagine what is going on in this world? Mm. I, I just crazy, crazy. Okay, here we go. Got a lesser, something a little different, a little happier. When Christians are put in their stations, God's blessing can fall on the nations. When Trump makes his choice, he gives Christians more voice and Mike Pompeo standing ovations. Good job, Les. And actually his wife helped with that too, so thank you, Kathy. Okay, irony of the week, I entitled this, It's Not True, from Mail Online. Mexican migrant, 37, worked as a U.S. Border Patrol agent for six years after falsely claiming he was born in Texas. So they didn't know he was an illegal alien and he's Border Patrol. And I got another one for you from CBS Philly. It's not true. This is in Florida, by the way. We got some smart ones down here. Man reportedly attempts to rob a 7-Eleven store armed with a finger. <laughs> yeah, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.